Good evening, Patriots, and today is the end of Friday, May 19th, in the year 2023. We're in a really interesting time as AI continues to be rolled in, and so much of what we are witnessing, in my opinion, in the chaos of D.C. and other places, is literally just to keep our eyes and focus away from bigger changes that are happening behind the scenes. It's literally kabuki theater. We're going to talk all about that very shortly Patriots, one thing is for sure, in this moment in time, you need to do all you can to protect your wealth. And to do that, you need to move what you have in IRAs and 401ks into areas that are more secure than many of the investment accounts that you currently have. Now, I'm not an investment advisor, but the folks at Birch Gold can help guide you on this and help secure your investments and your retirement funds in precious metals-backed IRAs. Patriots, President Trump recently issued a warning from his Mar-a-Lago home. Quote, our currency is crashing and will soon no longer be the world standard, which will be our greatest defeat, frankly, in 200 years. End quote. There are three reasons the central banks are dumping the U.S. dollar. Inflation, deficit spending, and our insurmountable national debt. The fact is there is one asset that has withstood famine, wars, and economic upheaval dating back to biblical times. Gold and you can own it in a tax-sheltered retirement account with the help of Birch Gold. That's right, Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k, maybe from a previous employer, into an IRA in gold. And the best part, you don't have to pay a penny out of pocket. Just text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898 for your free info kit. They'll hold your hand through the whole process. The folks at Birch Gold are amazing. Think about this. When currencies fail, gold is a safe haven. How much more time does the dollar have? Protect your savings with gold like I did. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers. Text BARDS to 989898 to get your free info kit on gold. Again, text BARDS to 989898. This is one of those decisions you will never regret. Do it today. Patriots, one of the issues, obviously, we have right now is discerning truth. And it's only going to get a lot worse. And unfortunately, in a world where people have accepted that the convenience of the appliances, and we're all guilty, and I can tell you how in just a moment, we've all com- we've all acquiesced to the idea that we're ge- we are giving them what they want, which is a world with no privacy. We like to fool ourselves a lot with the ideas of, I'm going to use a VPN and it really makes no difference with AI. AI has so many ways to triangulate what you're doing from behaviors across the web that being able to reroute a single signal onto the web doesn't make any difference because the profile of behavior is what happens. Most people don't understand how sophisticated the data collection systems are and what you can do with them. Now, I've talked a lot about here, talk a lot about on the show, something called sentiment analysis. And sentiment analysis is looking at the way people's, what their feelings are, their emotions are, those more intangible uh, types of things. It's the qualitative type data, the data that's what you might call squishy data, that it literally is how people feel and re- respond to things. You've heard me talk about that, that in terms of the vax and how if I was to literally see sentiment, the sentiment data, my guess would be that every time President Trump said, something positive about the vax, more people went the other direction. 
and the response to him was significant enough to literally save lives. That's, that's one of my theories, and I don't think I'm wrong on this. But unfortunately, where we are right now is we're not aware enough in the public of how sophisticated data analysis has become and how much it is behind the scenes. There's just so many ways to track and discern. Simple keystrokes of being able to track the rate at which somebody responds or the types of errors that they make gives the reflection in this mass amount of data analysis of the type of thinking that a person's doing. Tenor in the voice, like I'm talking right now, gives them an indication of where your, your emotional state is. And the whole ideas of, of being able to collect these data together creates what's called data layering in crazy ways so that they can overlay, say, a voice print with a keystroke pattern with the sort of user data of what you're literally surfing on the web to even where your location is, and they can come together with an entire profile about your behaviors, what you're going to shoot, what you're going to purchase next, and even to the point of anticipating what you're going to do in a few days. And they're not often wrong because one of the things that they add into the equation are what the influencing spaces are or media are around you. So as an example, MasterCard in, I believe it was 2012, had developed their algorithm so sophistic, so well that their algorithm, which effectively is a nice way of saying their AI at that time, they weren't revealing that. But they had the ability to predict what a person would purchase a year in advance. Now, that sounds like almost forecasting or prophecy, but really what it is is it's all built around a matrix of knowing how effective their predictive programming is going, their influence programming is going, and then tying that in with your personal buying behaviors. They can project what you are going to purchase and influence you to do it. So they it's both ends to the middle. Why is all this important? We are going to have to make some hard decisions if we really want to be free. One of those things is our cell phones. And I am, what I'm going to talk about tonight is things I'm encouraging people to start thinking about. And I'm going to find time at the Bards Fest to literally have these discussions so people can hear them and start thinking about them and start thinking about this, how we solve them. But the problem with AI is that because it's connected to so much data and because it's giving, being given access to so much data, its job is ultimately to manage and control humanity. You're hearing it that it's going to aid humanity, but it's not. That's not it. It's, it's here to strip humanity from its intelligence, create a dependency on it, and therefore be able to shape humanity's outcome. AI has the ability to quite literally alter reality in itself and in crazy ways. So we think of altering reality with, say, an image you see on TV that isn't true. I saw one today there was literally this horse that was supposed to be like 12 feet tall. And it's not. It's an entire, it's supposed to look like an old picture. It was like in the 1800s. So it makes you start thinking of things like Tartaria and the giants. And people are like, oh, look at this. And it's an all fake picture. The picture was completely fake. It was created by AI. And it had people suckered in to start talking about this idea that there was a breed of horses that were eradicated that somehow the giant horses were now taken or hidden or, or killed off intentionally. I mean, this is the whole narrative. It's that easy in, a, in one level. But there's other ways to manipulate outcomes. This is influence operations run now by AI. You can be given emotional stimulation, stimulants through what you read, 
what you what you're told, visual input, audio input. The Apple the Apple Air, AirPods are tracking what you're hearing. They're and they're being used by AI to even shape what you hear because they can be used in that way. All of these tools are engineered ultimately to draw humanity in. And the thing is that we're already connected deeper than we're willing to admit. We think in terms of things like the matrix. But just think about this, for example, and talk about scripture. Brett Cummings has been over here this evening with his beautiful wife, Kelly. And we've been having wonderful discussions. And part of these discussions is looking at scripture. The Chinese have been working overtime to rewrite the Bible. And once that is rewritten, I 100% guarantee it will be fed into the web and into the AIs. And it will be part of reshaping reality. A complete change in the way we see scripture will happen because people will become dependent upon the digital word. And it will alter every perspective of how they see their relationship with God and how they see Jesus and how they see the realities we live in. And the greater dependency that is created upon the digital space, the more that will happen. How many times do you go to church now and you don't see somebody holding a Bible, but they hold a digital appliance? And that advantage is that in a single holding of your digital appliance, you can quickly scroll through and see different versions of the Bible. You could go from NASB to NIV to, say, uh, AMP or uh, uh, ESP or ESV, whatever version you want, Right? You can get that done very quickly with a stroke of a finger. But in doing so, in these quick flips of doing that, we're assuming what we're reading is accurate and true. And unfortunately, subtle shifts in words can mean big things when we're talking as something as important as Scripture. And that's exactly what we're starting to witness. But the dependency on the appliance, the cell phone, is going to be one of our undoings. I don't have answers for what I'm going to talk here about. I don't have answers to how do you overcome a communication issue? How do you get rid of the cell phone in your life? How do you start communicating when there are? I can, we're, we can look at things and look to the past and realize that really Jeremiah 6.16, as we seek the ancient paths, there's solutions there. And we're going to have to start leaning into them and start seeking them and start praying into them to find those answers that are not going to be the answers that these people are trying to give us. Right now, this matrix that we are in is controlled. The, the communication highways are controlled and dominated by those that want to manipulate your thoughts. And outside of an EMP, which I'm happy to pray onto and I'm happy to see happen, even though it is difficult and would even change the way I do these podcasts, there's a greater need here to start looking at how we are going to cause a mass disruption in a system that is expecting us to be obedient to their ways. Here's an indication of what I'm getting at. Budweiser, as you know, Budweiser Light with Mulvaney issue, with their Mulvaney marketing campaign has been an absolute disaster. Budweiser's lost, at this point, about 50% of their sales. One store, in fact, was giving away Budweiser at 99 cents a case while they were selling Miller Light at $15.99 a case. Another store was selling Budweiser Bud Light by the case at $20.00 telling people that if they would take it, they would sell it for 20, but if they agreed to take it out of the store, they would refund them $20. Literally, not exaggerating on any of this. So Budweiser's comment into the people, because they're seeing people as part of the chattel and cattle which they raise and control, has been 
that all we need to do is come up with a new marketing strategy. So part of that idea is that people would respond well to camouflage cans. I guess that will heal everything. As long as we can appeal to the quote-unquote redneck, everything will be just fine. But the problem is that none of that is in this day and age, if we continue to move as a remnant, none of that affects us. However, there's still a body that is out there that is affected by it. And that's what they count on. We are, we to them are irrelevant and but a threat. The bigger focus they're looking at is how many people they can keep contained by offering them compromise and satiation with little changes that gives them confidence that things are going to return. I mean, the fact of Budweiser, Anheuser-Busch in general, is that they played everybody's emotions of patriotism to lead them in to dump their hard-earned money into what is basically the worst beer ever made on the planet. But people drank it, and they know it tasted bad, but as long as you freeze it almost so there's no taste on your taste buds, one of the oldest tricks in the book of how to hide bad taste, people will consume it in volume because all they were drinking actually was this value principle of it somehow representing God Bless America and red, white, and blue. That's the world we have to break from. And in doing so, we have to start shifting our position into a direction that is truly kingdom-centered. Cell phones are not kingdom-centered. AI is not kingdom-centered. Computers, as we know them, are not kingdom-centered. And that brings up the question of, well, how do we connect? How do we communicate? There's a lot here to unpack, and it's not an easy thing or easy solution to look at, but I want to bring up the ideas of the old way. During the Revolutionary War in that period, people read broadsheets. If you're familiar with those, what they are is they were a large sheet, roughly by size, about two feet by about three and a half to four feet. They were large sheets that were printed as a large news article. Basically, like a large news, part of a newspaper unfolded, if you will, with key articles placed there. And they would be posted in the town square. And it would be local printers that would print them. Now, the broadsheets often carried news two or three days late. There were couriers that would carry the news for them, whether on horse or by foot. They would come to the printer with that, and the printer then would set up his typeset. He would print the broadsheets and then have them out into the town square for people to read. People did read, much more than we're led to believe. It was a highly educated body of patriots at that point in time, though they didn't contain the degrees that we look at now to validate education. They were smart. They read a lot. Many of them did. And this was how they stay informed, men and women alike. The idea of going back is something we're going to have to reconsider. I don't know what this looks like yet ideas that I'm playing around with, but I want to share them tonight because there are things I'm hoping everybody will take to prayer and hopefully we'll start to see some things break through. But we do need to start thinking about it. The number one tracking device known in the history of man that will put your location and most everything they need to know about you is in your hand, in your back pocket. It's with you at all times. It's called the cell phone. Put a VPN on it. I have it. It makes no difference. The AI will crack it and track it. It's no big deal. So the cell phone is something that we've become highly dependent upon. We take our photos with them, not even concerned about the fact that every single photo has a geotag tag placed in it so they can be located where the photo was taken. We share those photos. We share them on places like Signal even to try to protect our privacy. But that makes no difference when you're dealing with an AI and some of the tools that the intelligence agencies already have. They can crack all of that. We don't have privacy. 
There's not a world of privacy. And in a world, perhaps a world led by Father God, where there is no privacy, but I want you to pay attention to what I'm doing here in the parallel worlds. God, with our relationship with God, we have no privacy. He knows our heart. The only thing that's required of us in the, in that sense, in this in this little snapshot, is that we have to be honest with our heart to Father God. He knows our heart, but our ob- obligation is to be honest to Him. In the world we're living in, there's a mockery going on here. It's the mockery that there is no privacy in the world. And these people out here have been convinced of it. Just like we have no privacy with God, they've sold the world on an idea that there's no privacy in the world that is led by their fake God. The difference is that the privacy that is taken is used as a weapon. God doesn't use our transparency as a weapon. Our honesty is a weapon. It's used to healing, to bridge to heal, to build bridges, and to enhance the love. In this world, the lack of privacy, the removal of privacy, isn't used to make a better world. It's used to make a more obedient world, a more tyrannical world, a world that if you dare step out of line, they will crush you. They'll even make things up about you, and they'll lie to try to ruin you, to take you out of the system, to make you an unperson. This is a simple fact of where we are. And there's no easy way to get around this, except perhaps if we're willing at some point for us all in mass to say no more. We're going to have to consider these things as we move forward. And this is one of the reasons I've talked so much about making sure you have Bibles in paper form, making sure you have books in paper form, making sure you have hand tools that are not digitally reliant. I have one chainsaw that has a digital controller on it. I have another chainsaw, for example, that has none of that. Trust me, I like the one without the digital controller than the other one. My my Jeep, it's a 2010. It is. It still has digital junk on it. It's a digital brain. My ATV has a digital brain. That also means that one way or another, it can be tracked. As odd as that may sound to you, it's possible to track it with the technologies that they have. Because with every bit of this technology, they put stuff in it that they don't tell us about intentionally to create backdoors and access points. And they're trying to force us deeper and deeper into this hole by offering things like artificial intelligence. ChatGPT is an example. But as we've learned more and more about ChatGPT, we understand that ChatGPT has a front face, this face that it talks to you with kindness and love and encouragement and with boundaries. But the engine that runs behind it has no limits and has no love for humanity. This is the war that we're now in. This is really the domain of warfare where we are. And AI has creeped in to such a, magne- such a magnitude that it's beginning to affect people's lives and they haven't even realized it. The things that we've been relying on to keep security and privacy, for example, as I've been saying, have now been stripped away. There's no hiding now. There's no stepping aside as long as you carry one of these control boxes in our pocket, which you might as well put a brain chip in. We use GPS and we drive down the road. We use that GPS and yet because we use that GPS, it is tracking every movement we make. It's a two-way street. We use it as a convenience. They use it as a weapon system. So in this way of looking forward, and if we're really going to be honest and we put our heart to this, I always end up in these sites of conversations to go back to Jeremiah 6.16. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths and find rest for your souls. But they said, 
we will not walk in it. A profound statement at the end that shows the split and division in a, of humanity, of those that follow and those that don't. And in breaking this down, when we talk about standing by the roads and looking, there is a, there is a sense of, of understanding that we have to listen, that wisdom will be given, and that as we ask for the ancient paths, not to assume, but to ask God for what it is. And then where the good way is, and then walk in it. So there is a obviously implication there that there is a bad way and that there's possibly more than one way and maybe more than one is a bad way. But then we have to make the choice as we hear Father God to step off and in it. For me, as I, I run this through and we get to where we are right now, we have to get to a place where we can start looking very seriously as followers of Jesus of what it is to be there and to be there without a cell phone in our pocket every single day. I'm not telling you that, you, that we have, are at a place where we can just cast it aside. But I will tell you honestly, even with myself, I make a specific intention every day to put this phone away from me so it's not near me. I even carry fairy day bags to throw it inside so it shuts it off. I want nothing to do with it. I want to walk in this world free. And if you haven't tried this, Try it because it's an amazing experience when you first do it of how naked you feel. It's weird. We have become so dependent on this this device. It's frightening. We have in the back of our head, what if I miss an emergency call from a friend? What if I miss something from mom and dad? What if I miss something from my wife or, or my husband? What happens if I get in a situation I need to call for help? All of these fake concerns and I say they're not entirely fake, but all of these amplified concerns that have become so critical in justifying this device never used to be a problem. We didn't have those worries before. We didn't have to concern ourselves. If we went on a road trip, we didn't have a cell phone to call somebody. Matter of fact, you'd be lucky if you made a call to anybody at all. Calling was expensive. We trusted on maps. We didn't trust on digital appliances to guide us and talk to us and tell us where the next turn is. I grew up that way. Maps. I still carry an atlas in my Jeep to use it, and I do use it, rather than relying on this phone. We have to get back to these older ways, simpler. They require more cognitive ability. They require perhaps more practice. But there's something else in there that we're missing. And it's what I think that the cell phone really disrupts and takes away. And it's trust. Not trust in me, not trust in you, not trust with one another. It's trust in our Father. Think about what I'm saying. We're out and about walking around. We're being tracked, but we have the artificial security in our pocket that if something goes wrong, someone can call me or I can call them. But why was that never a concern in the 70s or the 80s or earlier? Why was that not a concern before? Do we develop the imaginary stories that, well, it was a different time. We were always together. We always traveled together. We know better. That's not true. And yet, here we are. My father, when we first moved up to Oregon in the first year, had his business in California that he was selling while he was starting a new business here. He's a sole proprietor, has been my entire life. He used to drive to, to San Jose, and then he would drive back. There was no place to call no cell phone in his pocket. If, if we were lucky, he might stop along the way, say in Reading 
or he might stop maybe in, in Southern Oregon and give us a call and say, okay, hey, I'll be here at a certain time. And at about that certain time, we would come up on the windows of our house, which we could see down into the valley. And he had a, a yellow love pickup and he had a camper top on the back of it, not a, a, a kind of a, not a sleeper, but a camper top on it. And it had two red lights and it stood up fairly high. And we could see it. We would, he could make the turn as he came across the bridge at the river and it would look like him. And as we got closer, we would know it was him. And we would sit and wait to see that. I know that maybe that sounds primitive and funny. But there was an understanding of also of obligation. If he told us there was a time, we knew that he would be there within a certain window. Commitments meant something. When you made a commitment for a time, you arrived. That's how I grew up. And it's interesting, even that is another thing of where it gets disrupted with our cell phone technology. When we say we're going to call somebody or our digital technology, when I tell somebody I'm going to call them, yes, my, my schedule these days can be pretty crazy and I may not hit it all the time. But if I'm making a commitment for a meeting and a time and a place, I'm going to be there and, or I'm going to call them. But I'm always amazed at how that goes by the wayside, how calling in late has become a new normal. If it's a conference call, for example, having people arrive 15 minutes late is not uncommon. For me, it's, it's crazy, but it's not uncommon. If there's a meeting you have somewhere, somebody might wander in 10 minutes late. It's just normal. But that's not how we used to be. At least not if you're going to hold to appointments in time with no other way to call. These are value issues. And ultimately, they come down to the basis of who we are as a society. So much has been disrupted and ultimately degraded to the point of destruction because of the cell phone and digital world, the instant thing that we let somebody know at the last minute we're going to be there or not. Unfortunately, there's good things that have come of this technology. One of them is this mic that I speak on to you every, almost every night. And that's an amazing part of this amazing moment in time. And I have no desire to see this go away. On, but on our daily basis, we literally have to start rethinking how we are running our lives. There is not a good horizon coming at us. The AI has been released and unleashed. And what we're hearing more and more that within the depths of the programming, AI sees that there's a war coming with humanity. And there is. There has to be. Because there has to be a split between those that are willing to give all their freedom, their life, their soul, everything to a machine to control versus those that seek to live sovereign. God didn't ask us to be slaves of anybody else. God didn't want us to be slaves to anybody else. He only wanted us to be obedient to him. And so, as we're reminded in Ephesians 4.1, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Great words. We each have a calling. We each have a way to walk. And it's not ever in that design to have to use technology. So my challenge really tonight is to rethink what you're doing in different ways, not to walk away from anything you're doing. We're not ready for that yet. But to give some thought to what you feel you're called to do and imagine that in a way that it operates without the dependency on the digital technologies of the time. In a conversation over dinner tonight, Brad's wife, Kelly, brought up a very interesting observation, something I didn't make a lot of anything about other than I know how I think. And what she was saying is 
in in our in the ranch we have up here. She said, I just love the teapot. This was one of the examples. She said, I've noticed how you've set things up. She said, I love the tea kettle that you set up. And she said, I have a, a hot water boiler with very specific times that you can set. I have one of those too. You plug it into the wall and it, you can set your exact temperature that you want and it will boil up to that temperature. If I want to do my coffee at 210 degrees, I can get 210 or 212 degrees specifically in the water for that. Or my tea, say, at 180 or another tea at 195, whatever it is. But I bought a teapot, pot, tea kettle for the property that has a manual temperature thermostat on top. And it's just heat. So you can put it on a fire, you can put it anywhere, and you can read it. You have to monitor. It's different. It doesn't automatically shut off. And she was saying how much she enjoyed it and how much she appreciated the fact that it was something that wasn't dependent on digital technology. I know this is a strange, small example, but I'm leading into something here. We have to reimagine the way we do our lives. And it begins each one of us as we innovate through these dependencies on the digital space. Because in doing this, there's only one way we can ultimately turn, in my opinion, at least the way I walk. When I run into these things, I pray into Father. I ask him, Lord, show me a way other than this. Inspire me to go a different direction. I've talked at length about how I garden. I don't use any power tools in our garden. Everything is done with broad fork. Everything is done with digging tine. Everything is done with hand shovels. Today I was in planting out my lower bed, which I had a wonderful time doing. I planted 23 or 24 new tomato plants. I planted in about 18 kale plants. I planted in about 18 uh, Swiss chard and, and a whole bunch of lettuce, all intermixed. And all of that was hand tools, hand done. But you know that if you garden, that's pretty much what you have to do. None of those beds are dependent on anything that requires gas or anything that requires electricity. As we start to go through the models of our life in a daily basis, and I can tell you because I do this regularly, some of those gaps and vulnerabilities that we have in both of the properties. One here is what in both of them are water. Water up at the property is still dependent upon an electric pump system. Here, it's in the town, it's dependent upon an electric pump system that ultimately is run by the city. And as we start to work through our lives looking for the simpler path, we begin to unravel the dependencies that we have and the crutches that we've put before us with the technologies that we really don't have to have. This is all about us reimagining, re-engineering, remaking a world that aligns more closely with Father. Technology hasn't taken us on the right path. In fact, it's done worse. It, because it creates dependencies and because most of these technologies we can't repair ourselves, we've become at the mercy of a supplier, of a, of a factory-trained agent, whatever. You've heard recently in the, the issues of the farmers in Colorado They've now have the right to repair their own tractors. Most people didn't even realize that most farmers couldn't repair their own tractors. They had to rely on a company like John Deere to send out one of their authorized repairmen or an authorized tech or the same with any other company. And the reason this is is because the tractors have become so technological. A buddy of mine works on tractors down in southern Georgia. They had to replace the wiring harness on one of the cab over tractors that they had. Great tractor, beautiful tractor, 
The rats over one season managed to get inside underneath the cab and chew the electrical harness. So they had to replace it. Well, the farmer, even if he had wanted to, wasn't going to be able to replace it because to replace it, they had to remove the entire cab, disassemble the entire tractor down to its frame, and then undo the old harness and put the new one in. So Colorado passed the law to say that farmers have the right to repair their tractors. John Deere responded and said, yes, they do, but they have to go through our authorized training. The The farmer's response to this is, that's all fine and good, but we still don't have the time to give to repair these things. We've got ourselves into these OODA loops of convenience and supposed increased productivity, only to discover that what we've done is we've worked ourselves into a corner. It'd be nothing for AI to destroy humanity. Nothing at all, just to send out some sort of wave or frequency attack or whatever it's going to do simply to neutralize key technologies, we would have no way of repairing them. And there's not a chip resource out there that could quickly replace chips either. We need to go back to older ways. And it's a mindset that affects us in all ways. Like I said, one of the simplest places to start is to ask yourself, do you have a paper Bible? Do you spend time reading out of a paper Bible? Or do you read your scripture only online? These are big issues. And they're simple changes, but it ultimately has an amazing effect when we start to go this way. I'm not anti-technology. Be very clear about this. I have a number. I have enough technology in my life. But I am anti-technology run by pirates, psychopaths, and tyranny artists that use those technologies to scrape our data, control us, manipulate us, do mind control, influence outcomes, all for the benefit of their wealth and our subservience to their slave model. But what I am, more importantly, is I am a son of Father God, the one God, the true God, the God, the Lord of hosts. And when I look back at Scripture and I look at that from a lens of how lives were being run, I don't see the threats of technology. I see spiritual threats, but I don't see those threats of technology. That's part of the pivot here. Because I think there's something greater in that magic, that bad term to use, in that amazement and wonders of heaven. So strike magic, bad term. That's so so occult and did not mean to say it. There's something amazing in the way that heaven works and gifts to us. And I truly believe what I'm going to say. When we look at technology, I see it as a mockery. I don't see it as the actual answer. I see it as something that's created by the hands of men to mimic that which we truly have native within us. I believe that we have been given all of the tools needed as we connect in God truly through a Holy Spirit and everything needed, that the technologies, if we really understood our true authorities, technology would just be like one of those boring toys that you no longer use. The difference between the talking dinosaur that you gave your child when they were young and it's completely, it's cast off after one month versus the Lincoln Log set or the Erector set, which they played with even when they're into it as adults. That's your difference. We have within us and the capability through the Holy Spirit to do much of what technology does and so much more. But it's not this, it doesn't function the same way. But yet technology has conditioned us to believe that we can't live without it. And yet we can. 
we can very boldly, very powerfully. And we begin to rely on the greater things of the Holy Spirit to guide us, the powers of of God, the wisdom that he provides, and that trust in Jesus. This is what I truly believe. And I believe that as we have become so dependent upon this, we have quietly eroded very key connections in our to Father God and in the authorities which Christ himself gave us. So as a challenge, it's a challenge to rethink your life. It is not to necessarily something you're going to be able to do quickly, and I understand that. But it's a process that I work through all the time. I go through the vulnerability assessments. I look at the dependencies of technology and how we can replace them. As a simple example, if we take a water pump that's electric and I put a solar cell on it, that solves one level of dependency, but it creates another vulnerability. That is, the solar cell still has digital products that can fail. And what happens when a processor fails? How am I going to repair it? And the answer is I probably can't. So for every solution that we move into technology, there's also other complications, and those have to be factored in. But as we start to pare our lives down to a simpler way, getting down to the purpose in which we're here for, to spread the gospel, to heal the sick, to raise, to cast out demons, to raise the dead, and to seek greater works, as we start to live that way, it doesn't say you need a cell phone. It doesn't say you need a computer. Those things may be enhancers if we manage them correctly, but if we take our dependency off of them, amazing things begin to happen. So again, my challenge, rethink your life. Walk through the things that you're passionate about first. What are your passions that you're doing, that you're drawn to do, that are directed by the Holy Spirit? Look at how you're doing them. Look at the dependency that you have upon technologies. Ask yourself, how can I do this without a dependency on digital technologies. Don't use technology too broadly. Technology, an advancement in technology at one point was a sewing machine with a hand, with a foot treadle. That's a technology, but it's a technology that you can repair and maintain. But once you get into a modern sewing machine where it's all digital components and something goes wrong, you can never control it. You can never repair it, at least unless you're trained by the factory and have the parts. So rethink your life. Rethink it in terms of Jeremiah 6.16, seeking the ancient paths. Look at those places first where you're drawn in your passions. Consider that. Consider what you're doing, what you're led to do, and in so doing, rethink those in terms of the ancient paths, ways that are sustainable, that you can continue to do that mission. Think about communication. How will you communicate with your family, with your friends, with your connections when you don't have a cell phone? I guarantee you stringing a string with a tin can across this country probably isn't going to work. But if you can imagine a community of Christ followers that came together that now were able to run messages like they used to in terms of the Pony Express, something new arises, a new solution seeking old ways. All of these things come together to give us greater security and ultimately greater comfort within our Father a more personal relationship, a greater dependency on him, a stripping away of the crutches that we've given ourselves in this world to make our life more convenient and easy, and in the same time severing ourselves from a system that as it offered convenience, it enslaved us more deeply. Ultimately, we are going to have to make many of these decisions at one point or another. 
We either choose to walk within the world of AI, Internet of Things, and a total control matrix, or we choose to break free. I'll choose to break free. And so it's a process now that we should begin rethinking, reconsidering, imagining, and praying into it to let God open our eyes to the wisdoms and greatness which he only he can bring to guide us into a new way of looking at old problems, to reinvigorate and inspire us to solve things with him and to overcome what may seem like impossible barriers now which are easy for him to solve. Let's pray. Father, we're blessed to come here tonight and we're very humbled just in the presence of where we are in this walk that we are all in. This is not an easy time in many ways. As we start to move forward, we're being siphoned and forced into a channel that's imposing upon us the things like artificial intelligence and greater digital dependency, digital money, digital tracking and control. Father, none of this is something we seek. And I say this from my heart and anybody else out there that confirms that in prayer, you will hear these prayers. This is not what we seek. But instead, Father, what we're looking for are the ancient paths. And so as we stand at the road and we look and we ask, Father, guide us. Where are the ancient paths? Where is the good way that we may walk in it? And we will walk in it. Guide our hearts, Father, in this time, or give us eyes to see the steps to make. Let us find the way forward that can overcome many of the obstacles, way at communication, connectivity, the things that we have become, we've, even the things where we have used these technologies for good, knowing that in the back end there's always some evil lurking to try to use it for bad. And perhaps, Father, some of these things are simply a matter of blessing these existences and putting a hedge of protection around them and that we can accept. But either way, however you guide us, Father, we're seeking an ancient path where the good way is to sever ourselves from the matrix and the beast, to see our lives different from a different lens, a lens of freedom, of sovereignty, a lens of walking in kingdom, a lens truly connected to you, not corrupted by a world that's literally an upside-down Luciferian matrix. We seek that wisdom, Father. Guide us and protect us, and we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So, patriots, it's actually a fun exercise. This is truly what we're seeking here in the end is a God reset, not a great reset. We're seeking a place to walk in these paths in a way that truly are inspiring. And there are ways of doing technology that's very different and yet very empowering. I'll close with this. I mentioned the other day that I've been studying electroculture. This is a great example of what I believe is a God-level technology. I don't totally understand it, but I can tell you there's absolutely nothing negative that's happened since I've started it, only positive. Copper wire, which I wrapped around a piece of PVC, one-inch PVC, and I wrapped that copper wire down to, a, it was about a two-inch coil. And then I took a, the end of that copper wire and, and I made it straight so I could stick it in the ground and have the coil above. I've put one of those in every one of my grow bags. I've put three or four in every one of my, in any, every one of my planting beds. This is what I know. Within 24 hours, the potatoes erupted out of the ground in four of the bags. 
The blueberries were as robust as I've seen. The strawberries are growing like crazy. The, the chard, which was starting to kind of look a little weak, has become brilliant green. The tomatoes are standing up tall. Is it the copper wire? I don't know. Could just be perfect weather and a bright time and, the, and a lot of good prayer that's around the property. But I'll tell you what, that didn't hurt at all. So it's part of this is us exploring and listening and praying into it, being led by the Holy Spirit and observing and seeing what happens. But we need to change the way we do things. And we need to start thinking in these terms in a greater way than we currently are. The greatest vulnerability we all have at the end of the day that will be highly disruptive is communication. We all know how to communicate with Father God, but the more dependent as we become on the digital world, our communication, our research, our ability to, to garnish information even can be severely uprooted or disrupted. And it doesn't even have to be removed. It just has to be corrupted by an artificial intelligence to lead us down the fake paths, that alternate place of the good way. So pray into this, patriots. I encourage you to see where God leads you. See what he does. See how he opens your eyes to things. Pay attention to your world. Identify those places. For me, the easiest place always to start is that which I do out of the passions and guidance of Father God. As I start to focus on one thing and, and look at the things I need to do to overcome those barriers and see new obstacles, it starts to open my eyes up to the range of other things that need to be corrected as well. But don't get panicked and don't be overwhelmed. Take it one breath at a time, and each step as you make, pray into Father and ask Him for guidance. Ask Him for resources. Lean into Him. Invite Him in. Patriots, I hope you have a very blessed weekend and hope you enjoy yourself. I'm going to be speaking in Bandon, Oregon on Sunday. So if any of you are in Oregon or heading over there, you'll see me there. Um, heading over to Bandon tomorrow night to have a gathering of pastors. It's going to be wonderful. And so then I'll be back here Sunday night to do the show. So Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We're at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you Sunday night. Have a blessed weekend. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest end. Oh, I want to feel something. Let me get back in my body.
death.